Hey, what's up, family? Welcome to season two, episode five of the conversation. We are so excited. This has been a great season two. We only have after this one one episode left, and I think we've been doing great. Um, we have been um, just people have been reaching out. Um, and wanting to pick it up, and you know, I'm having meetings with HBO it's and not- you know <laughs> Netflix and all that stuff, right, man. It's on, just man. like, speak it. Speak it. Um, you know, I'm speaking it into existence. Yes. I think, I think when this is all said and done, this is gonna be right up there with the Last Dance, Michael Jordan. Wow. Like, how many people watch that? Come on, like, it's gonna be the Last Come Dance on. in the conversation. Yeah, for sure. Binge watching, and so yes. just people yeah. just binge watching all the episodes. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited yeah, yeah. about it. And we did something, you know, new this season yeah. where we wanted uh, not only just our incredible co-host. Elise Murphy, Kendall Haley, but we've been having a guest every single week. And this guest is an incredible yep. friend of mine, great brother, great father, husband, teacher of the word. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to have him here. Brother Omar Yay. Butcher, everybody. Thank you. Thank you guys. Give it up for Omar. Thank you, guys. Thank you. This is a, what, what, one of the few church people in our church that know more about the Bible than me. I mean, like, <laughs> like, 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 when, when he's Omar a great teacher. Don't let him Bible, fool you. When Omar talks about the Bible, I'll be wanting to give up the give up the call. Yeah. I'm like, this brother be talking about Ezra. Like he knew how old Ezra was when Ezra was. I was like, how you know that, man? Like, I didn't know Ezra was in there. You know? Oh man. But we're excited Come and on. we're going through a um, well-known parable, yeah. obviously compared to maybe some of the other ones, but I think there is some powerful truths, Definitely. especially for this time, yeah. uh, from the parable <laughs> of... Come on. Uh-huh. <laughs> the parable of the I love it. Samaritan. And so, oh, as is our custom, Omar, we always ask the guests to tradition. read the scripture. Oh, absolutely. It's our tradition. Absolutely. And so, um, if you would, please do us the honor. Absolutely. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Man. Great job. You did great. Nailed it. Uh, What a challenging verse for... um, For the reader, actually, mm-hmm. for the per- people in the story, and, Talk about it. and maybe even for us, I think that um, so many times we we look at passages of scripture like this that are well known in the church, and we can kind of blow past them. Mm-hmm. We can kind of skip over them and look for something deeper. But there's probably nothing deeper than our country needs right now yeah. than not just to love our neighbor, but to, to define who our neighbor yeah. neighbors are. I, love that. I think that we have. Um, if you will, not just practically, you know, there's a term in our, in our uh, culture called gentrification where 
um, rich, wealthy people move into neighborhoods and make the neighborhood rich and wealthy, right. driving out the poor neighborhood. So you don't have poor people living next to people. So in some ways, there is communities where they're all the same color, mm -hmm. uh, communities where they're all the same economic uh, uh, status. Mm -hmm. And so we actually don't have the concept of neighbor anymore, once mm -hmm. you think about it. Because once you make it to a certain neighborhood, mm -hmm. everyone who lives in the same. Pacific Palisades is wealthy. Have all things in common. They have yeah. all, they have yeah. a lot of things yeah. in common, yeah. especially yeah. with their status. Yeah. And so you don't see, yeah. you know, your boy working for the post office that has a mansion mm -hmm. in it. So in that way, we never have access to our neighbors wow. the way that we should. Wow. And I think that right. um, so what's true. crazy about this, and I've always thought about this passage of scripture, is um, growing up, I lived in what was called the hood. Like we called it the hood. Mm -hmm. And it made me think when I was reading this passage, passage, as soon as you pull neighbor out of the word, all you got is the hood. Because it's oh, just wow. a place where people don't love their neighbors and haven't been trained to do that. And, and, and then now people are building communities. So I think this is a powerful thing to talk about yeah. um, during this time. And I think that we need to redefine the term neighbor. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the first questions I want to jump into would be... Um, and maybe we should just start off super deep. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Just jump. But Come on, man. Just take let's a jump. Let's go. I think uh, when we talk about this neighbor, the Samaritan, we talk about the darkest moment maybe that somebody like this can be in. Mm -hmm. And I think that is where we notice sometimes that it's not, we don't have the neighbors that we thought that we had. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe someone share, you know, uh, a moment where you felt like you discovered that your neighbors were people who just lived next door and they weren't people who loved you. And people mm -hmm. describe times where you've been in a dark place and you're like, wow, I thought that person would have been there for me. And, and, and they weren't. Give me give me an example that you could, you know, throw out there. Kendall's looking at Kendall. <laughs> Come on, Kendall. All right, I'll, I'll go. I mean, Come on, I think. To your question, I have a little bit of an opposite as well, so like a, both sides. So my first one is I actually have a, a literal neighbor who on my street literally used to sell dope. Like he was, he was one of a, 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 a guy that created a lot of like chaos in our neighborhood, mm. but he was really into cars, has a bunch of cars. And when I grew up as a, a, as a kid, like when I was younger, I still am a kid, but <laughs> when I was younger, my dad always taught me, okay, when we go past his house, let's, you know what I'm saying, speed it up. Let's not stay there and sit there and see what's going on. You know what I mean? Let's mm -hmm. just, he has his own business and we can keep on going. Mm -hmm. But it's funny, just this year, uh, he has two ATVs outside his house. And I said, I, I wrote him a letter and I gave it to him and I said, uh, it said, uh, do you have any work for me? I, I would love to learn about your cars and ATVs and stuff like that. And he turns out to be one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And, and the ironic thing is my grandma's blind and he actually has the same exact eye disease, which is super, wow. super, super wow. rare. It's called retinitis, retinitis pigmentosa. Wow. He has the same exact eye disease my grandma has. And we live a throwing rock distance away. Wow. And for me, it was like, back to your question, how it's kind of the opposite for me, but it's like, you don't always know who people really are. 
You know what I mean? He did these things in the past where he used to sell drugs and all this stuff. And his house was like the neighborhood house where you do not, when you see his house, you go. <laughs> but I took the courage to actually wow. really get to know him. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he's like one of the nicest dudes, has no family, but calls his five friends, his brothers and family. Wow. And I was like, dude, like, shoot, man. Like, yeah. I want to be literally, he has five people that stay at his house. And they have no relation, but they've known each other for 50 plus years out of high school and they still all stay with each other. That's beautiful. Like, wow. If, if I, I want to live his life, not in the way that he, he not in the things that he did. Like, but, so now I'm selling dope but, too. Yeah, but yeah. in the fellowship that he has with his friends, with his yeah. community, with all that stuff, it's like, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, I remember growing up and being in every neighbor's house. Like, and I'm 43, so I think we've missed that generation. But I, mm-hmm. I don't always think that I'm a good neighbor. Like, my wife is like a great neighbor, but Lee, I stay away from my neighbors. I think mm-hmm. there's something in me that doesn't want to discover that someone who lives right across the street from me doesn't like me or doesn't. Right. I don't know, man. Like, yeah. I, I took this verse as a challenge. Like, yeah. I don't know if I've always been a great neighbor because I'm too mm-hmm. worried to find out. Hey, what do you think? Yeah. You know, as you. Yeah. You know, I, I get freaked out. Like, yeah. I'm the only black person on my street right now. Yeah. So it's like, what's going on? How do you guys feel about yeah. what's going on? I remember walking through the neighborhood and going for a bike ride and seeing Black Lives Matter. Somebody's y'all like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, one house. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's a safe house. Yeah. yeah. You know, give them the way. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need them, I know where to go. Right here, brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think there's real dangers, and then there's these 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 internal things that yeah. we perceive about people that might bring up insecurities or fears or dangers yeah. from other places in our soul. But um, this is so key with like Jesus said, a despised Samaritan. Well, who called him despised? Sheesh. You know, like think about who like that that you neighbor that neighbor that was a drug dealer. You know what I mean? Like if you think about it, like yeah, wow. people slap labels on people all the, time, all the time, and we never get close enough to to discover for ourselves who that person is. Kendall took the time to write that letter. Yeah. Mm. This young man took the time to write a letter yeah. to his neighbor and create a relationship. Mm-hmm. We don't even do that in our own communities. Yeah. So think about that. So you grow up this way, and, and this is our disadvantage. We grow up this way. We are taught to fear our neighbor. Right. We are taught to fear one another, uh, fear your politics, fear your God, fear this, fear that, fear that. And you never know until you, until you who is supposed to be the salt and the light, actually encounter that person, right, and right. then you never know in the midst of that interaction what God wants to do. And I think Kendall is, is on to something because he opened up what I soon discovered in my relationships with people is that if I just try right. and, I, and I just ask God to, to be present in that, God will do something great there. But I think like, you know, we tell people, I oh, don't go over there or don't talk to that person or stay away from them. And it's like, but my encounter with that person was so different, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and it's like, man, I really saw the value in this person mm-hmm. and we all have value. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to sh- say to these Jewish men that even this despised Samaritan to me has value. Mm-hmm. But do you see him as valuable the same way I do? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a, what Jesus is getting at here. That's powerful. Yeah. That's so interesting. I love that. I think that like... For me, even, again, practically with neighbors, I didn't know my neighbors until this year. Mm-hmm. Like, that wasn't a thing. I, I did my business. Like, I had my life. We were all so busy. And then suddenly we're in quarantine and we're all stuck in the same place for the same mm-hmm. amount of time. And um, it's been a really interesting 
process to get to know the people that we're all literally in the same place. I live in an apartment complex and it's, I know my landlord, Muriel, who's 97 years old and Jeez. killing in Keep life. And <laughs> she on, and I now. have had some great chats this year. And again, I, I would never choose out in life to be friends with a 97-year-old <laughs> lady. That's not going to be my first choice mm -hmm. in like buddying up with someone. But the conversations we've had have been really cool. And then the um, people above me the other day, they are newly people that moved in. And this kind of reminded me of that because um, the woman has a daughter who has has the feet of an elephant, it kind of feels like that's how I want to say it. Like, it is <laughs> so loud. Around. It is just like, oh, yeah. thank you, Lord. And I remember, honestly, I'm not going to lie, getting to one point one day when I was just over it and mm. – I went upstairs and I hadn't met the little girl yet. And I went upstairs really mad mm -hmm. and just being honest and really mad, ready to be like, yo, put some slippers on her or something. <laughs> like, let's figure this out. <laughs> but then shoes. I got up there and then the mom was in a meeting in her room and the little girl answered the door. And I remember the second I saw her, I felt so convicted. Mm -hmm. I felt mm -hmm. so challenged because it was like, Elise, really? Mm -hmm. Like, really? Yeah. And she is spitting image of the type of personality I was when I was her age. She's four years old. Wow. And I had this conversation with her and it's been like a back and forth, but I'll never forget that day because it was, do you really know who's living around you until you go and look them in the eye? Mm. And I think that for me was the biggest thing of like, mm. I don't know these people. I can make up these stories in my head. Right. In my head, the mom didn't care about me. In my head, the mom was this like reckless person. And then I looked her daughter in the eye and I realized the mom's doing the best she can as a single mom. Like mm. she had lost her job. She had to move into this place because she couldn't afford the place she was living. Like it was a, it's a whole story. Yeah. And so as much as we can sit in our homes, whether physically or even just in life with different people groups, unless you look someone in the eye, I don't think we're really, we don't know anyone's story. Mm -hmm. And so I've been so challenged by, by that. That's good. I'm also really challenged by you know, the, the, how specific Jesus was. He, he wasn't saying a certain man. Yeah, he, he named made sure it. He said a Jewish man yes. mm -hmm. was held by a Samaritan. That's so true. A priest came along, which represents me. You know what I mean? Like the leader of the <laughs> <This> guy. <laughs> and then right the Julian came along. Like, right he there, names yeah. Julian. Right there, right the there. people working in it represents you. Yeah. So he yeah. was saying that yeah. basically everybody who would deem to be a Christian passed this person by. Mm. So, so the thing about that that's interesting is that if a priest came by and it was a Jewish man and a temple assistant, they would have known that that person was Jewish. So why do you think in that context that people, you know, like that aren't helping their, their, you know, their own? I think it could be they were afraid that what would happen to him would happen to them sometimes. Because I think so many times it's like, if I get engaged, what's going to happen to me? Wow. If I tell the truth, are people going to, wow. if I do wow. the right thing, what is that going to cost me? And I think we just talked about um, that, that um, you know, we, we don't want to pay the price sometimes yeah. of doing the right thing. Because mm -hmm. um, our, our culture makes people pay me? a price. Yes. Martin Luther King paid his life. Yeah, talk about it. And even for me, as I've spoken out about things... Mm -hmm. Um, I've gotten more anger, hate mm. through my from saying what I feel is I'm experienced than anything else. People yeah. want it. Yeah. So for you, do you think that there's a fear there that people yeah. are afraid to lose things? And um, I know there is for me. I, yeah. I'm not trying to yeah. get a death 
yeah. get a death threat, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. I'm cool. Yeah. Like, do I really want to do that? Like, what do you think it is? Do you think there's certain fears? And Man, that's, I think anytime you speak out against a culture, you speak out against hatred, a government, anytime you speak out against any kind of evil or wrongdoing, it's going to cost you something the moment you open your mouth. Mm. Because you can either run with the pack or you can, you can go the right way. And I think sometimes the right way means you have to do it alone a little bit. Mm. And I think people don't want to be alone in mm. being the only one. People don't want to lose opportunities, future opportunities. And it's what we talked about a little bit earlier is that it's going to cost you something. Mm-hmm. But the question you have to ask yourself is, what am I okay losing? Yeah. Am I okay being alone for a while? Am I okay, um, you know, gaining, you know, gaining some ground, but then, but then losing the way, losing my way because I didn't do it the right way? Wow. So it, it's a lot of internal questions that I think that, um, yeah, sadly that our culture does make us pay a price. Yeah. But the question I ask myself is, how far are you willing to go, Omar? Uh, what's the price? What, what is your threshold? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, God, you got to carry me the rest of the way if, if this is what you have for me specifically. So I think for me, it's, it, there's a calling in the way I move too. So it's not just, oh, this is unfair and this is not right. Let's attack it. But like, when I'm, which one of these am, am I called to, to, to help yeah. lend my voice, lend my strength to, lend my wisdom to? And then I, I proceed that way, you know? But the, but the thing about it is, I, mean, I think that makes that difficult, what you're saying, is I totally agree, is that the, the Jews hated or didn't associate with the Samaritans mm-hmm. over what they deemed to be a biblical reason. Mm-hmm. They thought they were walking in truth. Samaria mm-hmm. was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. When, they, when, when the split happened, 10 tribes went north, two tribes went south, and the northern tribe was taken over by the Assyrians mm-hmm. and the 10 northern tribes, and they intermarried and co-mingled. Mm-hmm. The southern tribe was taken over by the Babylonians, but they never intermarried and right. co-mingled. Mm-hmm. So then when they both went through their exiles, the southern Israelites came out and saying, y'all mm-hmm. intermarried and co-mingled with people that weren't God's people, right. and back in Deuteronomy wow. it said not to do that, mm-hmm. so now we're better than you. Mm-hmm. They thought they were walking in biblical mm-hmm. truth. Mm-hmm. And I say Ooh, different, I say so this scary. because what's scary about this time mm-hmm. is, is even during voting, people are saying, we vote wow. biblical. We vote this and that. Right, this right. is what's biblical. So yeah. I'm going to vote the biblical way. Mm-hmm. Wow. But, but, but Christ was killed in the name of the Bible for literally. So how do we, how do we know? Like, it seems like if we're not careful, we're going to create a culture where, uh, and I guess my question would be, and we'll start with you, Omar. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you, as a, as a believer, as a man, mm-hmm. check your heart so that your biblical interpretation doesn't create something that's happening? in this parable. How, how would you suggest people, mm, Christians, that's good. check their heart from, from that? Like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. know really how to answer that, so I'm just like kind of having well, a... So I'm going to ask you. Yeah, yeah no, but I think this is like, great I because... I don't know what you think. I, I think you're pulling things like from, like, from right. this text that are just amazing, but uh, two things, man. I, I think, first of all, I, I, circumcision of the heart, right? So if, if there's... Like, Jesus is trying to correct something using this parable. He's saying to them, I see something in you as a people that I want to change. So I'm going to give you this story. Where do you see yourself in the story? So Jesus is trying to pull them to the side of truth, to the side of mercy, to the side of compassion, because he sees the hardness of their heart is present. Jesus. He can see, and he's like, you, you know who you are in this parable. Right. Sometimes yeah. you, you want to be you know, the yeah. hero, but it's like, no, nah, you're yeah. the villain in this story. And, and so 
now you realize you're the vision. You're the villain in this story. And you're saying, man, that's me that walked by. That's me that failed to do something. Now you see that there, there's something that Jesus is trying to transform in the heart to try to, to try to till the soil of the heart to produce good fruit. But he first has to work with the soil. And you see there's something really bad about the soil. It's hard. So before I can put seed in it, I've got to break this, this hard soil up. So that's what God is doing. All these things, well, somebody told me oh, a long time ago, he said, uh, everything is an opportunity, even the bad things that happen. Shoot. And I never looked at it until years later, I understood. And I was like, why did that always stick with me? Because it is. And if you compare it to anything in life, even on the basketball court, you meet a defender that you can't get through. You meet an obstacle that's so challenging. It's there to transform you. It's there to produce something in you. So that way, later on down the road, you can, you can overcome that obstacle, but you can also bring others with you. So Jesus is saying, this isn't just for you, but it's for the next generation. But I want to I want to transform it in you first. So if yeah. I can transform it in you first, I can get to the I think place. you absolutely answered the question. I think when you were talking, I was like, oh. If the, the, the church made it their mission to fix what's wrong with their communities, yeah. what's wrong with their world, but if we would start with what's wrong with the church, what's and we would start with what's wrong with that, you never hear What's anybody, going on in my heart? What's yeah. wrong with my heart? What's yeah. wrong with the church? Not yeah. what's wrong with America. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with the church? Not what's wrong with you. Well, what's, yeah. And I think so many times that we get too caught up in trying to, America needs Revival. Yeah. No, you need revival. <laughs> yes. Like, because you, yes. you had yes. revival. Well, America, America yes. Hallelujah. Yes. So, why do you Man, think that people so don't? I think of this, this is the number one, I would yeah. say this is the number one thing that I feel like that could fix a lot of that is that people would start with themselves. 100%. Like, Man. and it's hard to start with yourself if there's brother. this big thing out there that you yeah. feel like is worse than what you would start yes. with. Mm. You have to trust. So, why do you think like this? starting with yourself concept is so difficult. And like, even if I tried to mm -hmm. preach that, yeah. like people would just, um, you know, and, I, and I, I would say this even like Bishop Jakes challenged everybody else because as we're filming this, our president currently has COVID yeah. and Bishop T.D. Jakes uh, asked people to pray. Mm -hmm. And you should see the comments. Really? Like, I'm not praying for him. Wow. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I, I get why you're angry, but yeah. I'm like, yeah. he's challenging people to start with your mm -hmm. own heart. Yeah. And even the bishop got rejected. So imagine me trying to say yeah. that. Yeah. And y'all not going to listen to Bishop Jakes? You definitely going to listen to baby Bishop Julian Lowe. You know what I mean? Telling you to start with yourself. Changing your name yeah. on my phone to baby and Bishop so, Julian So in some ways, why do you, do you feel like it's on the leadership that we're not telling people to start themselves? Or it's on the pride of the person that we're talking to? Like, what do you think? How I you... think for, in my, per, in, just for me, when, when I think about starting with myself, I don't know that... I don't know the, the questions that I need to ask myself to be, like, revived, per se. Mm -hmm. So, like, even when, when we go over the, uh, the discussion questions after church, like, we meet as a family and we do these things, oftentimes the, the questions are asking, what about you needs to change? Or has this uh, message changed your thinking? Or what about this and that? But it's in those questions that I can say, oh, I get this now. So when people say, okay, start with yourself, it's like, okay, what questions do I need to ask myself mm. to be revived? Mm. Oftentimes, we don't ask the questions that really need to be asked. And sometimes we're in denial because, like you said, people always want to be right. Mm. For example, you, you, a couple weeks ago, you were talking about the harmony. You had two people sing on either side. Mm. Where is It's the same type, type of deal where... People always think they're right no matter what. That's why people speak out against and for different things. Mm -hmm. And so when you think you're right and you're per se prideful, 
you can't pick out the things that are, are bad in yourself yeah. because you think you're, everything is good yeah. about yourself. Not everything, but like you have to be right within yourself to be confident to do other things. So if you ask the right questions, you get leaders to ask the right questions, you actually be truthful with yourself, then you get those answers. Yeah. Mm. I think we judge our own, like we can justify our own emotions. I can justify my own motives, rather, easier than I can look at and justify your actions. So I think it's so much easier for me to say, it's not that big a deal. This is the reason I'm Mm. I'm Australian. This is not my issue. Mm. But you guys, Mm. you guys need to fix yourselves. So I think that often the reason I don't start with me is because I can justify my motives, Mm -hmm. um, but I'll judge someone else's actions. Mm -hmm. And I think like the thing that challenged me so much before is what you guys were saying about the price of speaking up, speaking out, the price of what it's going to cost you. Yeah. And I think for me, that can come to, I just really care about what people think about me, like mm-hmm. probably way yeah. too much. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about our world now, mm-hmm. speaking up, I haven't gotten death threats, thank God, but there have been some very nasty DMs from yeah. very well-intentioned posts that I made of people that just can't handle us talking about this topic Mm. and just don't want to go near it. And Mm. I guess I never really knew until recently how sensitive this topic is um, for people that don't want to change, Mm. for people that really have grown up in a, I don't know, I'll have to say it like a white America, if you will, and have had their own education and to ask them to think differently, to ask them to assess their own heart is like asking someone to stab themselves. Like that's the response that you'll get sometimes. And so when you think about the cost, like that's been a really big, a really big thing. But yeah, I think that coming back to that question, I think that we don't start with ourselves because like the Bible says, it's easier to look at the log in someone else's eye mm-hmm. rather than deal with the the spec log, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if you look at like, if you look at like that, that's a great point because if you look at what could have created some of the hate between the Jewish people in this culture and the Samaritans, it's not just that they were different races, mm-hmm. is that Jewish uh, culture at that time, they were adding to the laws. Mm-hmm. They were used to controlling everything that wow. was said and done mm-hmm. in their sphere. And right. the Samaritans could not be controlled. And so right now I believe yeah, wow. is that the people at the top are losing control. Um, and the way that the way that even for me, I have felt controlled my entire life. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, I don't really consider myself a, like an oppressed Samaritan. So many times we can see the Samaritan, and as a black man in America right now, I can say I'm, I'm a Samaritan. But the real the reality is, I, I spent six dollars on my coffee this morning. You know, um, put ninety one octane gas in my car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Got 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 nice pair of shoes. I don't think. Mm-hmm that I'm oppressed in America. Mm. But how I got to the point where I'm not living under oppression is by suppressing Jeez. things about me as a black man mm. that I knew that if I let people see that, I couldn't get to the point wow. where I could buy a $6 oh, coffee. Deep, and so I'm actually mm. s- constantly suppressing things. Wow. From wow. my perspective, and in my culture, mm. we live in multi, we have a, a multicultural church. Mm-hmm. There's multicultural churches throughout America but you don't see them gathering around gospel music. You don't see them gathering around black culture. Mm. So suppression is where your skin is accepted, not your... Racism is where your skin color is not accepted. That's oppression. Mm -hmm. 
Suppression is where your skin color Not is the culture. only thing that yeah. is accepted. Mm. But all the things that come along, your music, mm. your, your, your language. Wow. You know, for example, yeah. if Kendall works in co corporate America, the first thing that he has to do is cut his hair. Mm -hmm. And he knows it. If he's going to get a job as CEO, he has to cut his hair. Mm -hmm. You don't. Does that make sense? And so that's where we're, wow. the times that I've cut my hair when I had a longer hairstyle, mm -hmm. the times that I've done things are now, mm -hmm. I, they're coming to the light. Mm -hmm. wow. And so what I'm wow. saying is, is that we're in a season where we refuse to be controlled. We refuse mm -hmm. to tap dance. We refuse. Mm -hmm. So now we're okay with the division. Mm -hmm. And here's what's crazy. Mm -hmm. And here's the challenge that I would have, that I, would, that I took for myself, mm -hmm. that I'm least seeing this verse. It's easy to go and make the priest and, and everybody who walked past them mm -hmm. and make them the bad person mm -hmm. and say, I would not have walked past him. Mm -hmm. I would not. I would right. never. Right. Like, not me. So now I'm not. But wait a minute. Am I the Samaritan? Mm. Would I stop and spend all my money wow. on the man who hates me? <laughs> would I do that? Mm. So if you are the most staunchest liberal and you see Trump lying somewhere in a in a ditch, wow, would you? Wow, you gonna no put shot. that man on your donkey? Like, <laughs> no yeah. shot. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. If you are the staunchest conservative and you see mm -hmm. somebody from the Black Lives Matter organization or you see a Marxist yep. or a socialist right. in a ditch, are you gonna stop and help them? Or are you gonna say they belong there? That's really the point of the story. And so I think the reason why the Bible is so hard to believe is we always cast ourselves as the wrong character. Mm. Yes. We yes. always put ourselves. I'm like, oh, my God. I got to be the I, hero, man. I got to be oh the my hero. God. I'm the, I'm the winner. I'm the guy who wins. I'm the oh, my God. Right. Yeah. Like, I am, I, am, I am not the Samaritan. There's yeah. no way that I'm, I'm doing that. And that's where I think that we can kind of lean into this a little bit more as, as, as people. Um, if you, you know, throwing it back to you, you know, Omar, is as, as believers, mm -hmm. do you feel that the church has gotten away from the deep unpacking? And this is a little bit of like a loaded question, but because we have. So let me read <laughs> Okay. So here's the answer. I'm going to ask you the question and I'll answer it. How does the church get back to yeah. the deep unpacking of God's word with the Holy Spirit giving us revelation? So that we're, we, we, we're not just having these mass, mass gatherings yeah. where people get a little bit of Jesus. Because in order to survive this season, we would have needed to have believers who really understand and have broken down the word. Yeah. How do you get back to that? Uh, how does the church get back to that? I think the same way we're doing it here. Mm. Conversation. Right. We, we, we have to be able to look each other in the eye, talk to each other, understand where we come from. Stop slapping labels on people. Yeah. You know, yeah, that that you know, um, if that was a Republican in the ditch or a Democrat in the ditch, do you see your brother in the ditch, your human brother? Mm -hmm. If if we don't even agree on that, then we got to go back and get that piece first. Mm -hmm. So we got to come together in some agreement, and then once we believe in agreement that okay, yeah, this is the way we're going to go, then we can in unity move in that direction. Mm -hmm. But without unity, we, we won't be able to achieve anything. Mm -hmm. We're so divided even with, among ourselves about what we believe theologically, what we believe um, on this piece of doctrine, that we, we're at the table 
and but we're we're not listening to one another. Mm-hmm. We're we're so busy arguing over theology and, and this thing and this thing and this thing that we're not we're overlooking. We're so distracted, mm-hmm. and this is the trick of the enemy. We're so distracted that we're not looking at the unity that we are at the table together. That's so great. let's find what unifies us and let's move in that direction. Mm-hmm. And then all the other once we get that foundational thing in place, all the other things will come into play. Mm-hmm. But God is looking at he, the spirit of the Lord is saying, "Where's the unity among mm-hmm. you?" You, where's the unity among you? That's the question. Where's the unity among you? And God is looking for it. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, the moment I see it, I'll pour forth my anointing on it. Bless but it. I need to see it first. Mm-hmm. Where is it among you? Yes. And so I think our job is, well, Lord, what's my part? Mm-hmm. How, can I, how can I help bring unity to the table? What does that look like for me to carry, for Kendall to carry, for at least to carry, for Julian to carry? And what, what's our part? Mm-hmm. And once we do that, I, I think that's when God says, now I see what I've been looking for, and then the power will come, and we'll be able to achieve these things with so much ease. Mm-hmm. We'll be sitting back like, man, mm-hmm. it's all because we were unified first. Mm-hmm. Let me you throw know? a second part to that question, though, because mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. But I think pastors feel the pressure because out of everything we do, right? Right. And I've been joking about Netflix. We ain't got no Netflix. <laughs> I ain't got no agent. <laughs> and I'm committed mm-hmm. to Wednesday nights being Bible studies. But if I'm being honest, there's a sense of yeah. like disappointment in me because out of everything we do as a church, mm-hmm. this would probably be the, the thing that the least amount of people engage. So oh, if Wednesday I, night. Wednesday night. Okay. So if I go free taco truck, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Ice cream, donut wall. That's right. why people mm-hmm. twirl inside. Wall. If I do all that stuff, people mm-hmm. come in droves. But I say, we're just going to unpack the word. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like a handful of people. So why is it, do you think that let me ask you this. So I'm going to ask the second okay. and maybe third part. Love it. Why is it that people don't engage when things just become about the Bible? Mm-hmm. And do you think it's attributed to how people have used the Bible to abuse people's mm-hmm. thinking? Mm-hmm. And number three, do you think that pastors should commit to, to that even if it means people does, don't come to the church? And, I, and, and for me, I say that to mm-hmm. me, it's a trigger for me. Because the, yeah. the most Bible-knowing yeah. people I, yeah. I've ever met in yeah. my life Talk about it. are the mean, <laughs> as you say, meaner than a rattlesnake. It's like they just Man, they know on. the Why? word. There's churches Why? in L.A. So it's true. about the word. It's yeah. about the word. It's about yeah. the meanest people it's I know. So, yes. Yes. So, so how do you feel like as a pastor, yeah. this is people, I'm yeah. asking literally yeah. a question. Mm-hmm. How do I navigate the lack of interest yeah. in Bible studies right. and the fact that if I do a donut wall, ice cream truck, and free this, free that? And merch, people are going to come. <laughs> and merch. Man, you, you see, I think you're in a unique situation because you're a lead pastor. So these are the questions that keep you up at night, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think for me, I, I, have a, I have a relaxed attitude about it, right? So mm. how can I help you is my question to you, right? Wow. Like, what do you need me to do? How can I help you, brother? Like, that's what I want. That's, that's like, so I'm looking at how can I help you achieve what God has called you to do? Mm-hmm. Like, you're our lead pastor. You lead us. You, you have a vision for us. Like, what's my part? How can, I, how can I help you? Like, you and God work that piece out, you know, but like, I know how I can help you if you tell me how I can help mm-hmm. you. You know, so, so I look at it from, from that point of view as like, man, those, those questions don't keep me up at night. Um, but my thing is, what keeps me up at night is like, I've, I've been called to Oasis. I've been called to this family. Um, I want to be a great family member. Right. How can I help, yeah. you know, the, the, the leader of this family? That's so interesting because literally about four minutes ago, I zoned out. Like, I've been listening. It's great. We love it. But because I was thinking in the back of my head, I need to talk to Julian about in this new season that I'm in, like, how I continue to be a part of this family and what can I tangibly do? And then you literally asked that question and you responded with just that. Like, mm. I'm sharing all that to say, like, that just fits so many pieces because I think that maybe – 
the reason you're asking this is so that we at home, we at this table can know, hey, actually those things don't keep me up at night, the views on the conversation, but what do you need from us? Like, what can we do to be a part of this family? Because even in this season, we're still at home. 2020 church is very different than what we knew. But actually, we can all still be doing something to make sure that the Word of God is is getting out there, to make sure that um, we are the family together. So I think that, like we can all do something in that sense, whether that's sharing it with a friend, whether it is using whatever you have, using what's in your influence, what's in your hand to make sure that we're doing the best with what God has given us. Like that's, all the pieces just came together for me. I had my own aha moment. This was great. Yeah, what do you think we could do, Kendall? Like what do you? I don't know. I think that like, America is just such like a consumer society, so it's just hard. It's just so hard not, you know what I mean? It's so hard not to do those things that you're talking about, like a donut wall. Like, literally. <laughs> Why do we always say the donut wall? But, but if you think, like, I'm looking back on myself and I'm reflecting, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. the times I go to Wild Ones, taco night. Mm-hmm. We got nachos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fried chickens in the. Come so on, we got we nachos. Got nachos. <laughs> yeah, I remember That's feeling that pressure as a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Like, that's right. When we do uh, camp, church camp, always packed. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because we play games. Yeah. Do fun stuff. Yeah. But it's the thing about that going back to church camp that I love is that when you when you surround yourself with enough people and you and enough people are are convicted and and want to to tackle a a. a a tackle a, a project or a thing. So, for example, for when we go to church camp, there's a lot of non-believers that just send, or there's a lot of kids that are non-believers that their parents just send them, and there's a lot of kids that are believers that are are learning how to share their word and all that stuff. But when we get those people together, that's when mm-hmm. the building up begins. So I'm saying, when you when you have the donut wall where a bunch of people come come where they not may, yeah. might not be the strongest mm-hmm. believers or strongest Christians or best whatever you want to call it and then you bring the Christians that are really developed in the word and maybe the mean ones <laughs> there, needs to, there needs yeah there needs to be a balance between mm-hmm. what goes on and when when you reach that balance that's what happens that's the that's the growth that happens mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's wisdom right there. It is wisdom. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Kendall. You know, I talked about in our in our final thoughts, I talked about how in our last episode that um, the dynamic between the old generation yeah. and the young generation. Yeah. And I really believe it is important for us to embrace an outpouring of the Holy Spirit because without the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what really creates the dynamic between the young generation being empowered is the dying off of the old generation. And I do think that's a scary thought to think about. I remember Clayton explained it this one, uh, one way, one of our uh, amazing you know, staff members and pastors. He said, uh, in the Old Testament, when God said that none of that generation who didn't believe could go into the promised land, and the, only the young generation could, he explained it this way. I wonder what it was like with the young generation saw that there was one person alive yeah. left from Just the old generation. <laughs> and they were waiting for that person. And I, and I really feel like Yikes. I say that to say because I think it's that serious. Yeah. Like it's yeah. that serious where we are in a time where 
we need the Holy Spirit to run the church and run our thinking and renew our minds. And I think as a person, I, I, I hope that as we read the Bible, and this is my thought to you, is that just to make it practical, you should have bare minimum three times a year where scripture has shown you that you were wrong about something you thought you were right about. Mm. I honestly believe that's the number one habit that scripture should show you minimum of three times a year, something that you thought you were right about, you were wrong about. Uh, Something that has shaped your decision-making, your way of life and your thinking. Mm. Because scripture's job, if done properly by the Holy Spirit, is designed, as Omar said earlier, to transform you. And the issue is, is that there are certain things uh, that, that, and I love that point that Omar said, when God puts a seed in your heart, that seed can grow. But when the enemy has put a seed in your heart, that seed has to die and you need to be transformed. Mm -hmm. This is not improvement. This is the transformative power of the Holy Spirit, allowing the scripture that is alive, powerful, and active. And I think that if the church, if us as a church, I know, um, we're trying to make this palatable to you. The set's decorated. We have great, amazing people to talk to. But I think that you have to find it in your own heart to say, Lord, give me a passion mm. for your word. It's very good. I think that uh, many times myself and other pastors have done our communities a disservice by not reminding them that Jesus was the word made flesh and that we have separated the word of God from Jesus himself, wow. as, as, as if he was just this nice, loving man um, who had a few of the scriptures in his heart, the ones that were about peace, hope, and kindness. Now, Jesus would have had the scripture in his heart that you don't want to hear. Jesus is the walking, talking version of that. And so until we as a church uh, hold the word of God in the same light as Jesus in flesh walking around the earth, I don't know that we'll ever be able to solve some of these problems that we are seeing. And so what can you do today? You can start by saying, I'm not going to allow the enemy to make me feel guilty that I haven't been in my word, that I haven't been doing that. But I am going to allow the Holy Spirit to convict me, to to further engage, Mm -hmm. to really take these seriously. And when there's a Bible study, I'm going to show up. I'm not going to put pressure on my pastor to put up a donut wall (laughs) or taco trucks. Matter of fact, remember... Those signs where those people are toiling, welcome, uh, you're welcome here. Those people are going to be gone when you come back to church. Uh, The sign might read, the Holy Spirit is welcome here. Because that's what church needs to make sure that God feels welcome in church. And I think you need to feel welcome where God is welcome. Mm -hmm. And I really believe we take the pressure off of our pastors to stop giving us pacifiers and really give us the transformative power of the word, we will really be a healthy church that can bring change to our community. That is my final thought. Hopefully you still still watch. The ratings went down on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, can we uh, thank our amazing co-hosts, Elise Murphy and Kendall Haley, and always the wise Omar. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in for season two. Next week is our final episode Uh uh, of season two. Before we get picked up, you know, I'm in contract (laughs) negotiations. You just said you weren't. You just said this episode. (laughs) Cut the check. Like I ain't doing this for free anymore. Know that I ain't doing this for free. Y'all gonna have to cut the check. You know what I'm saying? Somebody pay this man. Somebody. Somebody. I'm getting. I'm getting paid. I'm going to the mountain. Okay. I'm a top. Off the contract. Don't worry, I'm a tie. It's good to know, Julian. Thank you for tuning in for these, right. this week's episode of 
The Conversation. Love you so much. Can't wait to see you next week.